Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And daughter, do you death? Happy New Year, Phoebe. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. 2023, yes. It's been uh, nearly two years since we started. It has, yeah. This in February. Yeah, it will be. Second anniversary. Perhaps we should get some more merch to celebrate our two years of doing this. We could uh, get some more of our mugs made because at the moment they're quite exclusive. Only they're very exclusive. <laughs> Only me and you have got two. them, but we could roll some mugs out. <laughs> and, and two t-shirts. Yeah. Two t-shirts, yeah. I was going to do bottles at some point, but didn't get around to it. So that could be the next thing. <laughs> Something that I've uh, stumbled across recently on YouTube is the Institute of Human Anatomy. Okay. It's um, two youngish lads in America who are evidently very passionate about their subject. They seem to be teachers in anatomy. But uh, what they do is they uh, they talk about various aspects of things that could happen to bodies, like particular ailments that people might have and the effects of alcohol or the effects of painkillers and the way that tattoos work and things like that. And they illustrate their discussion with the use of actual human cadavers, nice. of which they seem to have several. Yeah. I'm um, assuming they're legit. They're not just like... <laughs> I think they are. I, I think they are. It does make you wonder, but where would they... They wouldn't be out there I on the know. internet, would they? Well, actually, I was listening to a Necronomapod about news stories, and they were talking about this funeral home that was done for kind of selling bodies, basically, like into the black market for people like this i assume so no i'm sure it's fine i'm sure it's fine that wouldn't be all over youtube exactly it yeah. was like not legit no no and, and they do make a point every time of thanking the donors of the bodies do they like say who it is no no oh okay oh no 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 you wouldn't know who it was or anything they, okay. you never see anything that's identifiable but um no, they're very professional and it's very interesting. And yeah, I suggest that anybody that's interested in that side of things have a look at the Institute of Human Anatomy. You'll out. learn a lot. Anyway, this week, Phoebe, I have a true crime story for you. Excellent. And it's from a country which has been very much in the news over the last year. It is from the Ukraine. Interesting. So this is the story of Anatoly Onoprienko. Have you ever heard of Anatoly Onoprienko? I have not. Okay. Well, he was born on the 25th of July, 1959, in Lasky, in the Zytomyr district of Ukraine, which, of course, then was still part of the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. Although the, the area is still referred to as the Ukraine, it wasn't a separate country. But the uh, the Zytomyr district, or the Zytomyr Oblast, which is the sort of the name of a, a, a region, a district, uh, is just to the west of Kiev. So towards the Polish border, if you can imagine where Kiev okay. is. Now, at the age of four, his mother died. It's never a good start. No. But his father, who was... In actual fact, a, a decorated soldier from World War Two placed him with grandparents to start with, and then I think an aunt or something, but they couldn't cope with having this sort of young boy. 
and so he was placed in an orphanage. Oh. <laughs> However, Anatoly actually had an older brother, 13 years older. Oh, wow, okay. And he stayed at home with the father. Right, okay. I guess he was easier to look after. Well, he probably was, yeah. (laughs) Yes, I'm sure you know all about (laughs) four-year-olds. Looking after (laughs) four-year-olds. But as as Anatoly got older, this feeling of desertion, this feeling of abandonment apparently fueled a pathological hatred of families, the whole family structure. um, He felt that he was denied that environment therefore he rebelled against that and this hatred of families ultimately erupted into a seven-year killing spree that would snuff out a total of 52 lives oh my goodness and would earn him it is a lot of people and would earn him the nickname the beast of ukraine or sometimes the terminator i prefer the beast of ukraine onoprienko grew up and he was a sailor for a while yep. uh he was a, he was also a forestry student but he was also a sometime mental patient oh okay <laughs> I, I guess he spent some sort of time in uh, in in some sort of institutions or whatever at the time mm-hmm. but sadly his main source of income came from crime oh, burglaries yeah. robberies yeah so he was a petty thief basically and as we've seen with other sort of small-time crooks, something happens one day. And in 1989, he and an accomplice, Sergei Rogozin, were burgling a house when they were disturbed by the owners, the occupiers mm-hmm. of the house. So to continue with the robbery and to avoid being detected, basically... They killed the family, which happened to be a very large family consisting of 10 people. Oh, my God. So in one robbery, they killed (gasps) 10 people. Wow. And then later that same year, he on his own killed five people who were sleeping in a car. That must be (gasps) big car or very cozy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, later, when things all came out he said i just shot them it's not that it gave me pleasure but i felt this urge from then on it was almost like some game from out of space he said that he derived no pleasure from the act of killing corpses are ugly he said with distaste they stink and send out bad vibes Once I killed five people and then sat in the car with their bodies for two hours, not knowing what to do with them. The smell was unbearable. Already? Well, I don't know. Do bodies start to leak and things like that almost immediately? Oh, yeah, that's true. Maybe, yeah. It might be a bit unpleasant. But I believe he then just simply set fire to the car and hence the bodies. One way to to get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. Now, he seems to have got away with this so far. He wasn't detected for either of these 15 killings that he has now accomplished in uh, 1989. Seems a bit extreme and quite a gamble that they're worried about being arrested for burglary, so they killed 10 people. Surely he'd then be worried about being arrested for murder. 
Yeah. Hiding up. <laughs> they managed it somehow. Yeah. Things then quietened down. And between sort of the end of 1989 and 1995, so a gap of around about six years, Anna Priyanko appears to have left Ukraine and travelled around Europe. So he would have been what? In his early 30s, somewhere between yeah. 30 and 35, 36. Now, not known as much about what he actually did travelling around Europe, possibly odd jobbing, possibly... Burgling, <laughs> maybe even, possibly even, but um, yeah, there's no uh, no evidence to suggest that that actually did happen. But we do know that in that time he was expelled from both Germany and Austria. Mm. Now to be expelled from a country, to do something quite bad. Yeah, you have to do something bad. Yeah, but if he'd done something that bad, wouldn't they have put him in prison? Mm. I'm not entirely sure. Prior to December 1995, those murders, those 15 murders, had gone, as we said, undetected, unchallenged, unnoticed even, except by what is described as overworked police detectives, who obviously were alerted to the fact that these 15 people had been killed, but had no way of carrying out the, uh, the investigation, and of course the surviving loved ones of the victims. But... Onoprienko was preparing to change his modus operandi. I think he got a taste for... Even though he said he'd got no joy out of killing, um, he appears to have started to incorporate that into his robberies because okay. from now on and over the next just about a year, really, less than a year, what he would do is he would break into usually isolated houses, so places in the yeah. middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night or pre-dawn hours, he would herd the family members together into a room and he would shoot them all with a 12-gauge shotgun, oh my goodness. starting with the head of the household, the patriarch of the family. Wow. He would then loot and then burn their homes. Wow, okay. It's quite intense. It is quite intense, yeah. Now, the first of these slaughters occurred on December the 12th, 1995, in Germania, where a forestry teacher named Zachenko, his wife, and two infant sons were killed like that in oh, their no. home. Nine days later, four members of the Kreuchkov family were killed in Brakovici, which is a village west of Lviv, near the Polish border. Now, we've heard of Lviv, yeah. I think, haven't we, in recent yeah. stories and things, and we know it is very much... Close uh, to the border. Close to the Polish border, yeah. yeah. Their home was robbed and set on fire, and also a passerby called Malinsky, who witnessed Onoprienko leaving the site, was oh, okay. also shot dead in the street outside. Oh, no. The new year came, 1996, on January the 5th, two businessmen named Odintsov and Dolinin were shot while sitting in their broken-down car just outside Enigoda. And before the night was out, two more victims were killed in a nearby village, including a pedestrian named Garmasha and a policeman called Pibalko. Now, I apologise to any people 
who are familiar with the Russian or Ukrainian language are the way I'm absolutely crucifying these names, but um, I'm doing the best I can. But it's a good attempt. The following day, three more men were shot and killed in a car parked on the Berdyansk Dnevproskia Highway. Wow. Now, the man, who was now being called the Terminator, returned to Brakovici on January the 17th, butchering five members of the Pilat family and torching their home. Two apparent witnesses to the crime were also shot dead as the killer escaped. He's racking up quite the kill count He is. Yeah. I mean, he's absolutely on a spree. And I, and I think we've seen that before, haven't we, where no one yeah. does anything and all of a sudden, in a short space of time, they, they go absolutely... Yeah. Crazy. In Fastova, four more victims were shot and killed on January the 30th, including a 28-year-old wow. yeah, nurse, her two sons, and a male visitor. Next to be killed were the Dubchak family. They were killed in their home in Olevsk on February the 19th. The father and son were shot in the attack. The mother and daughter were beaten to death with a hammer. Oh my God. I know. It's getting like more vicious as well, isn't it? It's like it is, yeah. Not just shooting people, it's yeah, kind of it's torturing just, them and getting, yeah. surely getting some sort of kind of pleasure out of it by this point. Yeah, you would have thought so. Eight days later, in Malina, four members of the Bodnachuk family were slain. The adults were shot. The children were hacked to death with an axe. Oh, God. And within an hour, a male neighbour was also shot and mutilated in his home. Jeez. So, yeah, he's just crazy. He's just crazed. Back in Brakovici, so this is the third time he's mm -hmm. visited this particular village, town. On March the 22nd, 1996, the Terminator shot and burned to death four members of the Novosad family. Wow. Now, by this stage, the largest manhunt in Ukrainian history was underway, and the public demanded an extreme response, which is what they got. A National Guard unit, complete with rocket launchers and armoured vehicles, was wow. sent to protect the village of Brakovici, while some 2,000 officers scoured the western Ukraine in wow. search of this nameless, faceless suspect, because they had very little to go on apart from a trail of bodies. Mm -hmm. In March 1996, so while all this was going on, the Security Service of Ukraine, the SBU, and the Public Prosecutor's Office detained 26-year-old Yuri Mozola as a suspect of several of the brutal murders. Over the course of three days, six SBU members and one representative of the Public Prosecutor's Office tortured him. Oh, my God. Burning him, applying electric shocks and beating him. Jeez. But Mazzola refused to confess to the crimes and he actually died during the torture. Oh, my God. The seven people responsible for his death were sentenced to prison terms. Good. However... It was actually an Onoprienko family quarrel <laughs> that mm -hmm. brought this particular reign of terror to a close. Anatoly Onoprienko was staying with a cousin's family when one of his hosts found weapons hidden in his room 
and a yeah. bit of an argument erupted, ending with Anatoly being asked to leave the house. But before he left, he vowed that his cousin's family would be punished at Easter. And this threat was relayed to the local authorities. Wow, OK. On Easter Sunday, April the 16th, police traced Onoprienko to his girlfriend's home, a hairdresser who police have identified as Anna Kazak, in a village near the Polish border, mm-hmm. where he was arrested following a brief scuffle. Mm. A search of the premises revealed a tape deck stolen from the Novosad family and a pistol taken from a murder scene in Odessa Mm. and a second firearm linked to several of the family massacres. So, uh, yeah, they've been able to... It's quite solid evidence, isn't it? Yeah, it is. One way or another, they uh, they realised they got their man. After his arrest, Onoprienko languished in his prison cell, taking advantage of a bizarre quirk of Ukrainian law, or as it was in 1996, I don't know if it's still the case. Apparently, trials cannot begin until the defendant has read all of the evidence against him at his leisure. And in this case, there was plenty to get through. Mm. Apparently 99 volumes of gruesome photos showing dismembered bodies, burnt cars and houses, and random objects such as shoes and radios, which Onoprienko stole from his victims. Wow. And there was another reason for the delay. Money. The cost of all this. Under the same sort of legal rules at the time, the court has to pay the travel and hotel bills, all the expenses, of any witnesses that were going to be called uh, to trial. Okay. And in this case, there were over 400. It's <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> that uh, that, that, that the, the court may have needed to have called. And Ukraine was pretty cash-strapped at the time and so didn't get an awful lot of priority. Mm-hmm. So it was another three years, it was 1999, when this case finally came to court. Wow. In custody, Onoprienko initially confessed to killing eight people between 1989 and 1995, but he later admitted being responsible for a total of 52 murders. Wow. He told authorities that he had been hearing voices that instructed him to kill. Okay. He claimed that these voices came from above, though he wasn't sure if these orders came from God or aliens in outer space. Okay. A couple of times he's mentioned outer space. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Once the trial started, which was actually in November 1998, the defence lawyer initially tried to convince the court that Onoprienko was insane. Okay. Which I suppose wouldn't have been hard, would it? No. (laughs) But he's hearing voices from aliens telling him to kill people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and the fact that he's just got this... Compulsion to kill yeah, people. Yeah, appetite compulsion to kill people. You'd have thought that he's some sort of mark of insanity, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, but psychiatrists examined him and found him fit to stand trial. When Onoprienko was brought into the court, he was put into a metal cage, most likely for his own protection from an enraged public. Yeah. The killer claimed that he had strong hypnotic powers and telepathic control over animals. And the best thing 
Anatoly Onoprenko said, would be for scientists to study him as a phenomenon of nature. Okay. <laughs> there you go. It's one way to think about it. <laughs> yeah. So the trial ended on the 1st of April 1999 with the jury deliberating for just three hours and finding him guilty. That's not very long, is it? No, it's not really three hours. They must have been pretty convinced. Yeah. Honor Prienko received the death penalty, which was to be carried out by firing squad. Wow. However, Ukraine was hoping to join the Council for Europe. And for this reason, they abolished capital punishment. Mm. So his sentence was actually commuted to life imprisonment. Uh, okay. And so there he was in prison, but he actually died of, apparently, natural causes, heart failure, on the 27th of August, 2013, at the age mm. of 54. So he was in prison for quite a long time. Uh, well, 14 years. 14 years, yeah, just yeah. over 14 years. So um, is that justice for 52 hideous, as well, you say? No. Awful, awful slayings. Uh, it was more they didn't sort of like, uh, he didn't die of natural causes well, six months after he'd been No, no, that's true, actually. Convicted. He was for 14 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it just seems so extreme, this case. So many bodies in such yeah. violent, hideous ways, taking out whole families, young children. But from but no what real I can see, yeah, very little gain. I mean, yeah. you know, the odd... A tape deck. Tape deck, radio, yeah. some clothes, maybe a bit of jewellery and stuff, who knows. But um, I really don't think... Uh, Not huge chunks of money or no. anything like that. No. So there you go. Mm. That's the story of Anatoly Onoprienko. Thank you very much. That's a very interesting story about... Yeah, ooh, what a... It's just... I mean, like we've been doing this for like we said nearly two years now but yeah just still you hear these stories and you think like, how how do people do this to each other how do you just kill 52 people yeah yeah and get away with it well mm -hmm. the 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 bulk of it if you like all but 15 were killed in a pretty short period of time yeah. really um sort of december to february march yeah uh, and then there was a big gap from the first 15 when he disappeared out of the country for a while. Mm. But yeah. Surely he must have killed some other people while he was out of the country. I, I suspect that's what he's thought. Yeah. I don't think you kill 15 people, have a break of six years, and then come back and do that kind of manic no. three months of killing nearly 40 people. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Thank you very much. That was gruesome, um, very interesting, kind of, gruesome, yeah, but, yeah. but interesting. Thank you very much. Um, are there any pictures? Yes, there are. There's quite a lot of pictures of Anatoly himself, which I will share onto our social platforms. I will put them onto Facebook. Dad and Daughter Do Death. And onto Instagram. At Dad and Daughter Do Death. And if you'd like to contact us about this story or any others, you can email us on Dad and Daughter Do Death at gmail.com. 
It would be great to hear from you. You can email us, as we just said. You can send us messages through Instagram, Facebook. I'm sure you can yes. find us. It'd be good to hear from you. Yes, it would be to hear from you as we kick off a new year of Dad and Daughter Do Death. And joining us for the future of Dad and Daughter Do Death are two new little co-hosts that came to live with us over the uh, Christmas break. Two very cute little kittens called Dolly and Peter. So uh, they're our new uh, podcast buddies um, <laughs> who are currently clawing their way up my leg. And <laughs> now they've woken up from the nap, which they had for the first time, first half of the uh, podcast. <laughs> they look very cute. I'm looking forward to meeting them because I haven't seen them yet. No, not, you haven't, uh, no. Very, not in the flesh. Very little fluff in the fur. They're very fluffy, <laughs> yes. Perhaps we like could a put a cat. picture of them on the... Uh... On Instagram or Facebook as yes. well. Yes, yeah. I'll share. A, I'll share a picture of them. Your new podcasting money. buddies. Yes. <laughs> so I hope Peter and Dolly and our audience join us next time. And once again, Dad and daughter do death.